Hey there, special educator. Before we dive into today's episode, I have something exciting to share with you. If you've ever struggled with writing impact statements for your IEPs, and let's be honest here, what special educator hasn't found themselves at some point staring at a blank box and a blinking cursor wondering what in the world to type? My free guide is just what you need to get those brain juices flowing. Introducing Impact Statement Mastery, your step-by-step guide to writing personalized IEPs. This free guide is designed to help you craft impactful, personalized statements with ease. You'll get expert tips and strategies, easy-to-follow formats, and real-life examples that bring theory to life. It's absolutely free and a must-have for every special education teacher and related service provider. To get your copy, just visit www.spedprepacademy.com slash impact statements, or check the link in the episode description. Now let's get started with today's episode. You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferberg, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Welcome back to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer, and today we're going to dive into a topic that was prompted by a request from one of my email subscribers, how to make centers work at the high school level. When we think of centers, our minds often go to an elementary school setting. But today's guest, Fiona Gonzalez, is back for another round and joins us to discuss how centers can be just as effective in secondary education. Fiona shares that centers can be a powerful tool for supporting student learning and engagement in high school special education classrooms. From repetitive practice and fostering independence to teamwork and hands-on learning, the benefits of centers are numerous. With careful planning and consideration of individual student goals, centers can be tailored to align with the student's IEPs and provide meaningful learning experiences. So I'm super happy to be able to honor the request and provide information that will not only help her, but I'm sure this topic will be beneficial to everyone. So let's get to it. Well, hey, Fiona, welcome back to the podcast. I appreciate you coming back for round two. Hi, thanks for having me. So you were on episode 85, where we talked about post-secondary success, and I feel like today's topic is is kind of a continuation of that. We want the students at the secondary level to be successful. And since I knew you had experience and success with working with a high school population, I wanted to have you on again to talk about a little bit different of a topic. I had an email subscriber ask for more information on how to make centers work for students at the high school level. But before we get started, would you share with the listeners a little bit about who you are in your journey in special education? Yeah, so I'm a Mod Severe high school transition teacher in Southern California. Um, I was also a vocation program specialist. So um, if you're not familiar with what that is, I did like job skills curriculum for the high school and transition students. Um, and then I also organized and ran the on and off campus work experience programs. Um, before that, I was a paraeducator for several years, as well as an in-home ABA therapist. And then on top of that, during my first year of teaching, I discovered it was you know, hard to find age-appropriate resources that were at the level that my students needed. So this is what started my journey as a curriculum creator. So you might also um, see me in the Teachers Pay Teachers world under Sped Adulting or Adulting Made Easy. Great. So when most teachers think, I know I do, think of centers, we have an elementary setting in our minds, but centers don't have to just be for elementary age students. And while commonly associated with elementary, they can be equally effective at the secondary and specifically the high school level. 
So let's unpack this topic. Before we discuss what they are and how to use them, can you tell me how do centers support student learning and engagement? What are the benefits of centers at any level? So the benefits um, would include the students being able to practice a skill that was previously taught, or maybe it's an IEP goal of theirs. So many of our students benefit from repetition and doing centers is a great way to incorporate repetitive practice. Students also have the chance to practice their independence, which is really important in the high school setting, especially. Um, Students build a sense of responsibility and these types of skills are transferable to the workplace, um, which is, you know, a focus that you're starting to work on even in middle school, but um, particularly in high school and transition Um, So doing an activity in centers format is fun and it's different, um, you know, from the typical teacher lecture. It's, um, you know, keeps students engaged. Students have the opportunity to get hands on learning. Uh, Another benefit of doing centers is students have the opportunity to work in small groups, which is also another transferable skill for the workplace. But this really helps out the teacher, especially if you are short staffed. So at the high school transition level, I've even paired higher level students to help out with some of my lower level students. And once again, students are getting to work together in a different way. And this creates a great opportunity for skills that were that will transfer into the workplace. Those are some amazing reasons why we should use them. And I see the benefit at every level, like you said, it having those skills at the middle school and high school level pushes them into adulthood and gives them those skills. But I think even at the elementary level, getting them used to being independent and practicing those those skills that they need to have just kind of gets them ready for middle school and then middle middle school gets them ready for high school. So it's all kind of having centers at every level, I think is very important. Yes, exactly. So can you share some examples of how centers can be effectively implemented in a high school setting? I know my, my follower on email, she asked, you know, how I can't do, I don't understand how to do this. So I want to give them some, some specific examples. Um, So I utilize many different types of activities for centers. So this includes like Digital activities such as boom cards or um, Google Slides. Um, I use physical activities like task cards, file folders, um, your typical worksheets, and then task boxes. Um, Sometimes I'll have students focus on one type of activity. For example, you know, we're all going to do, each center is going to have different file folders. Um, Other times I might have a different type of activity at each center. So one center will have file folders, another one will have task cards, and then another one will be a digital activity. Um, it's nice to change it up sometimes. So all of these decisions will kind of be dependent on which students are participating in the centers, what their levels are, what their preferred learning methods are, what their IEP goals are. So it's, you know, it's hard for me to, you know, give you, um, the listener, a specific suggestion on what to do because I don't know your students, but as you get to know your students, you kind of figure out what's going to work for them and, um, you can kind of choose all these different ways to implement centers. So what I hear you saying is that they are very individualized and they should be. Yes, of course. <laughs> so everything is in the special education classroom, pretty much is. Exactly. So how do you ensure that the centers align with those individualized education plans? Um, you know, you've got the goals that you have to work on. So how do you make sure that those centers align with that? Mm-hmm. Um, so each year is going to look different depending on the IEP goals your students have. Um, you know, as you know, it changes each year what their goals are. Or if you get new students, they're going to have different goals because everyone has specific goals that are tailored to them. Um, so while it's not always possible to work on every student's goals in my group lessons, I try my best to incorporate them um, as best as we can, especially if there's a skill that many students have a goal for. So like, let's say like next dollar up for math, um, you know, that's a center we could do uh, that focuses on a lot of the students' goals. 
Um, additional activities like independent work and centers give the opportunity for the student to practice these skills in a different setting, which will make these skills more transferable. So rather than just always working on it, the same exact task box to complete that goal or the same exact um, worksheet, you're giving the student a variety of different ways to practice this goal. And that way they're able to generalize it. Yeah, I feel like if you keep you know, giving them the same thing over and over, they're going to get bored with that task. So having different options for the same goal would be very beneficial. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to play devil's advocate sometimes. And I, I know what some people are going to say is in a high school setting where students have many different s- schedules and abilities, how do you manage the logistics of, you know, ensuring that all students have access to centers and meaningful learning opportunities? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're a teacher, you know that schedules are a huge headache. Um, and every school is going to look a little different. Like at my school, my students are in my classroom all day. Um, they don't have different teachers that they report to. Whereas I know some other high schools, you know, you have periods or mm-hmm. you, you go to different places, but, but my students are in and out of my classroom all day with services or off campus jobs. So in a sense, it's kind of similar. Um, so what I do with that is um, I have the same lesson or we might do centers um, several times throughout the week at different times. So that way each student has the opportunity to attend that lesson or centers um, at one point in the week. And so, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, in your mind, you're thinking like, oh, why would I do the same lesson a couple times a week? But odds are most mm-hmm. of the time a student is only able to attend it once. So it's not like I'm actually repeating it for other students. And if it is repeated, they can work yeah, on like independent it's not, work. During that it's time. not going to hurt them any. Yeah. So what are, what do you think are some other potential challenges or obstacles that special educators might face when implementing centers at the high school level? Um, so the biggest challenge aside from schedules would be accommodating the different ability and levels of all of your students. Um, there are a variety of ways to overcome this. So depending on your class, you might be able to pair students of similar abilities together. And then that way you or one of your staff can work with that group. Um, or as I mentioned earlier, maybe you have a higher level student who helps out a lower level student. Um, or you can offer choices of different activities to, or skills to work on uh, within each ability level. What what advice then would you give to special educators who are considering implementing this or who have already implemented it and they just it's not working for them? So it might seem like a daunting task to set up centers, but remember, this is a time to focus on practicing skills that have already been taught. So you can reuse lesson materials just by making a few extra copies of whatever worksheets you were using. Um, So, you know, if you have no materials right now, you're just starting new. Just reuse some of the lessons that you're already using and in the meantime, you can start building up your library of resources, resources such as task cards, task boxes, and so on, um, for the more hands-on learning opportunities. And this is going to take time and money or, you know, just time if you're going to create the resources yourself. So um, once you've got a good number of resources to pull from, it'll just be easy peasy in the future. Do you, I know that there are so many different task card sets out there and I feel like that's an overwhelming thing to get onto TBT and just to look and see there's so many different bundles or so many different sets. Where do I even start? Do you have a product or an example of how to improve your centers or just how to get started using centers at the secondary level? Um, So a place to start for me would be, you know, purchasing or creating resources that focus on your students' IEP goals. Um, That's the most important thing that you're going to be working on more often. And then from there, you know, with your lesson plans, which should be centered around your students' IEP goals. Um, you know, maybe you have themes like we, we're going to do hygiene for this whole month or um, or however you want to organize your lessons. Um, you know, that's how you'll start kind of 
picking what to purchase or what to create. Um, but like I said, the IP goals are really what drives, um, you know, how I start building that library. Yeah, that's a good, good starting point because you don't want to just try to buy everything at once and try to cut it out, get it organized, get it, yeah. get it situated and get it to where it's, you know, you're rotating and your management system, I guess is what I'm trying to say. All of that, trying to do all of that at once would be very overwhelming. So I feel like that's a good idea just to start small, start on those specific IEP goals that they have. And then you can start adding in the other skills that they need to know on top of their IEP goals slowly. Yeah. And I feel like that's a, you know, I'm guilty of this as well, but I feel like it's a first year teacher mistake is you're eager to get started and like you want to get ahead and start making materials and have it prepared for the first day of school. But if you don't know your students or you don't know what their IEP goals, you might end up wasting all this time Mm -hmm. making materials that you're not going to end up using ever again. Um, It's not to say you might not ever use them down the line with another student, but, um, you know, it really helps to get to know your students first and make sure you read that IEP and find out what their goals are. Yeah, I was guilty of that too. I've made lots of things that I've never even used. So, Sofiana, thank you so much for for sharing this knowledge with us. Do you have a product that you feel like would be beneficial to um, give to the listeners? Yeah, so kind of along the lines of what we were just discussing as far as, you know, different themes or what uh, topics to teach with life skills. Uh, I have a free life skills scope and sequence that has links to a bunch of different lessons. Um, that's great for IEP goals and centers and much more. So it's all nice and organized for you in two different ways, depending on if you want to teach by subject or if you want to teach by themes each month. Um, you can choose between the two different versions I have. And hopefully that helps people stress a little less and get organized for the next year. That sounds great. Do you feel like it is something that would be beneficial to elementary teachers as well? Uh, Yeah, I think there's, um, you know, when it comes to life skills, there's not really an age for life skills. It really just depends on what level the student's at. You know, I might have a student that's in transition that is still learning some basic hygiene skills. And that might be something that an elementary student could be far past Mm -hmm. that. So these are all definitely applicable. And it's never too early to start life skills or even vocational skills um, curriculum. Exactly. Well, Fiona, where can our listeners find you and learn more from you out in the internet land? So I have my website, which is spedadulting.com. I have a bunch of helpful blogs on there, as well as products. Uh, You can find me on Instagram, Facebook under Sped Adulting, and then on Teachers Pay Teachers if you want to find my resources. All right. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. And I'm sure I'll be connecting with you again in the future. I feel like you always have so many good things to say. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for sticking with me until the end. I can tell that you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am. If you liked what you heard today, I'd love it if you'd head over to spedprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next episode.